Two weeks ago, we opened our Bible to give our attention to this prophetic passage here in Isaiah 9. The Advent season is upon us, and I tried to lay a foundation for our Advent series by considering three things from verses 1 through 7. We considered, as you may remember, we considered the promise of hope, the provision of hope, and the person of hope. If anything, right, if anything, Advent is a time of great hope. And this passage deals with the goodness and grace of God who brings hope to the hopeless. God's answer to all our fears and failures. God's answer to all our fears and failures is a child spoken of in verse 6. A child who rules over all things with justice and righteousness and peace, whose rule will increase forever. A child who is given by God and who came to us as God in the flesh, the, the very Son of God, a child promised by God whom the prophets foretold, a divine child who was born unto us. Jesus Christ is this child whose name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That Jesus is Wonderful Counselor means that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Him. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Him. Earthly counselors, counselors need counsel themselves, but not Christ. He knows what is right always. He knows what is true always. He knows what is best in any given situation. The wisest thing we can do is follow this Jesus who is a wonder of a counselor. And that Jesus is mighty God means He has the power to carry out His plan. It means we can think and live differently as Phil Stevenson reminded us last week. We can find safety in Him. We can trust Him to keep His promises. We can see the light of salvation. Uh, we can participate in His might and in His mighty work in this world. We can have the mindset and attitude of Christ as we go about our lives living in the victory He has already achieved and secured. We can do these things because He is the mighty God. Amen. And Today we'll consider the third name listed here. It says, His name shall be called Everlasting Father. So I want to try to answer two main questions this morning. First, what does it mean that Jesus is everlasting Father? And second, what effect does it have on our lives? I want to consider both aspects of this name, the word everlasting and the word Father. And then taking them together, I want to suggest four meaningful implications for us today. So we've got two main questions, two equally important aspects of this name, four meaningful implications. These are the hooks on which we'll hang our thoughts this morning. 
And the overarching point is simply that Jesus Christ faithfully fathers His people forever. What does it mean that Jesus is called Everlasting Father? The doctrine of the Trinity states there is one God and three persons, each person equally divine yet clearly distinct from the others. There is the Father, the first person, the Son, the second person, and the Spirit, the third person. Jesus Christ is the second person of the triune Godhead. He is the Son of God, distinct from the Father and the Holy Spirit, yet one with them. So what does Isaiah mean by calling Jesus everlasting Father? Isn't the Father the Father? Isn't Jesus the Son? Yes. So, we can conclude that Isaiah must be referring to something besides the Trinity. Indeed, he is. He's talking about Christ's relation, listen, his relation to us. Not his relation within the Godhead. He's emphasizing the way in which Jesus relates with His people, with His spiritual sons and daughters, He is a Father to them forever. And two things are being stressed here by this, these words everlasting and the word Father. Two things are being stressed. Christ's eternality and Christ's eternal care. The name everlasting teaches something about the deity of Christ and that it underscores His eternal nature. This promised child who was born unto us in fact existed long before His birth. He is pre-existent. He has always been and will always be. He is begotten, remember, not created. His birth was the stepping forth of heaven to earth and human flesh and form as the Son of God through whom all things were created entered His creation. This infant is infinite. Unto us a child is born and amazingly He is the Father of eternity. In fact, this could just as well be translated that. Father of eternity. To be the Father of of something in this sense is to possess it. To be the father of strength, for instance, is to be strong. To be the father of wisdom is to be wise. To be the father of love is to be loving and so on. Therefore, that Jesus is the father of eternity means He is eternal without beginning or end. And this is affirmed throughout the New Testament. We read, for example, in John 1, these well-known words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the Word, speaking of Jesus and His birth, and the Word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. Or these words in 1 Corinthians 8, there is one God from whom all things, from whom are all things and for whom we exist and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Or these words from Colossians chapter 1, for by Him, Jesus, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, it says, and in Him all things hold together. Or these words of Christ Himself in Revelation 22 when He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So the name everlasting simply underscores the divine eternality of Jesus Christ. He is the one in whom all the ages meet, the Father of eternity. And He is eternally a Father to His people. Whereas the word everlasting accentuates Christ's eternality, the word Father highlights His eternal care. Jesus cares for His spiritual daughters and sons like a father cares for His beloved children. Turn with me, if you will, to, to Psalm 103. I'm going to try to illustrate this through this Old Testament psalm. It says in verse 13, Psalm 103, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. To be compassionate in this way is to be sympathetic to the state and sufferings of another, to be concerned for their well-being, to take pity on them and to meet them in their distress with love. A loving Father, the Lord provides for us and prospers us. Psalm 103 actually begins with the recollection of the Lord's many blessings upon us. It says in the first five verses, Bless the Lord. O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And here they are. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He forgives you. He heals you. He redeems you. He crowns you with love and mercy. He satisfies you with good. As the psalm unfolds, we learn that the Lord defends us. Verse 6. He reveals Himself to us. Verse 7. He is gracious toward us. Verse 8. He understands and knows us. Verse 14. He loves us. 
verse 17. He keeps covenant with us, verse 18, and provides bedrock security for us, verse 19, and that He reigns over all things. Church, as a father, has compassion on his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. And to fear the Lord in this way is to acknowledge His utter greatness and in so doing to gladly submit to Him. The name Everlasting Father teaches that Jesus Christ, this divine child of promise given to us by God, is eternal and provides eternal care for each of His beloved children. Amen? Amen. Now, how does this reality affect us? In other words, what difference does it make in our hearts? What does Jesus as everlasting Father mean for us today in terms of its effect on our lives? At least four things. Number one, it means you can trust Him. Jesus Christ is trustworthy. He is steadfast and and, and faithful. His eternality assures us that He is reliable and unchanging, the same yesterday and today and forever. With Him there are no shifting shadows. You never have to worry. If He is true to His promise, you can count on Jesus Christ. He will never fail you. You can trust Him who is your Savior because to God's praise, you were chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. According to Ephesians chapter 1, you were chosen by God in Christ, in love, even before time began. In love, you were adopted through Christ into the family of God that you might be made holy and blameless before Him. Therefore, Jesus Christ, listen, Jesus Christ has been with you as your Savior before you were ever born, before you ever pursued Him or received Him or even thought of Him, even before the foundation of the world, you were His and He was yours. If you know and love Christ today, be assured He first knew and loved you with everlasting love. He is your Savior. And He is your Sovereign, your Lord. He's fully aware of every detail of your life. And He who saves you will also keep you. He will sustain and sanctify you. There is not a single circumstance that escapes Him or exists outside the bounds of His sovereign care. Not even one. Even sorrow and suffering are tools in His loving hand. If you are His today, 
He is never, never, never against you. He is always for you, always in your corner, always on your side, always advocating for you, always there for you as everlasting Father. He is always present to provide for you the very best care in any given circumstance. Trust Him. Trust Him. Secondly, it means you can enjoy Him. That Jesus is Father is important to remember. Now, I know that some of you have had difficult fathers. Men who did not provide for you a good example of fatherhood. Or perhaps even were a bad example. Some of you, when you think of your father, you cannot even imagine an enjoyable relationship, but one that is anything but. And so please hear this. Jesus Christ intends a, he desires, he intends a close and caring relationship with you beyond your wildest imaginations. One that abounds in love. One that far surpasses even the very best earthly examples. I love my kids even more than I can express. I'm so proud of them, so thankful for them, so excited for them, for what's going on in their lives and for their future. I'm so expectant for them. I anticipate an abundance of God's blessings upon them. I cannot even express how much I love them, and I know that that you love your kids in much the same way, but to my dismay, My love is fickle. And I can be unpleasant at times. And I can be moody. And at times I'm not the most unpleasant person to be around. And so I want my kids to know Actually, I need them to know that that's not Jesus. Jesus isn't fickle or moody. Jesus doesn't have a bad day and then take it out on others. Jesus doesn't storm through the house 
or withdraw in selfish silence. I need my kids to know that as much as I love them, and I do always, as proud as I am, as thankful as I am, as excited for them as I am, Jesus Christ is infinitely more. In fact, the love Jesus has for them is far beyond what I can even offer. I love coming home after work and walking into the house. Some of you know what I mean. I love coming home after work and walking into the house to hear my kids call out joyfully, Daddy's home! Sometimes it makes Sally jealous. That's a her issue. (laughs) Wherever they are in the house, they'll run to the front door to wrap their arms around me and greet me with a kiss reserved just for me. Sometimes Elias and Phoebe, I kid you not, and Abby and Olivia used to do it when they were younger. Sometimes they just break out into spontaneous happy dance. I love it. And I'll look into their bright eyes and their wide smiles, and I'll sometimes remember, not all the time, but sometimes I remember that 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 is a picture of our relationship with the Lord. The whole scene there pictures a relationship built on trust where love abounds. This joy-filled relationship with Jesus where we just get excited to be with Him. Can I ask you something? I want you to picture Jesus walking through the front door of your heart, your life. Walking into the circumstances of your life. Coming home, as it were, to those parts of your life that seem so neat and tidy, but maybe even more importantly to those parts that are really messy and unpleasant and possibly even embarrassing. And then I want you to picture your response. How do you respond in that moment? How do you respond to Him? Not necessarily to everything else around you, or when was the last time you dropped everything just to enjoy Him? The last time you shouted, Daddy's home, and just ran into his arms. This text teaches that Jesus is a father to you. And if you are his, he has been with you from eternity past, and he will be with you always. It's very relational, very personal very loving, very close and caring, and listen, it's intended to be very, very enjoyable. 
So enjoy him. Don't overthink it. Just enjoy him. Number three, it means you can return to him. Jesus once told a parable of a son who rebelled against his father. He dishonored his father, made demands of his father, left his father, and essentially wished his father was dead. He went his own way and began to pursue the empty, fast, fleeting, hedonistic pleasures of this world. Eventually, however, he realized that what he thought would bring him happiness only left him in great despair. So in a moment of clarity, he remembered his father. How good his father was and how good it was to be with his father. And he decided to return home. And then the scene shifts to the perspective of the father. Unbeknown to the son, the father had been watching and waiting for the son's return. The father had been scanning the horizon seemingly every day, waiting for the day when he'd see his son again. Though the son had turned from the father, the father remained faithful to the son, for the father loved his son. And one day, He saw his son's silhouette far off in the distance. In repentance, the son was coming home and the father, in somewhat surprising fashion, in this, in this surprising show of unbridled affection, took, took off in a full sprint to meet his son. And he came to his son and he threw his arms around his son. He jumped around his neck. That's, that's the, the sense there. He just jumped around his son's neck and he threw a party for his son and he, and he wildly celebrated his son's return. And Jesus said the father felt compassion for the son and the son confessed his sin to the father and the relationship between them was whole again. And I wonder, I just wonder if, if this parable applies to any of you this morning. Maybe, like the sun, you too have strayed from the Lord. And maybe it's not as outward as, as the son's was. But, but maybe inwardly, in your heart of hearts, you've strayed. You're living life as you see fit, leaning on your vain attempts to fill this emptiness within. But the emptiness remains. All the worldly attempts to fill the vacuum only bring greater despair and the sin that deceives you and so easily entangles you has robbed you of true joy. And in moments of clarity, in moments of clarity, 
You just wish you could go home again and start afresh. And I want to say, you can. You can. 1 John 1.9 promises, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just and He will forgive you your sins and He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The truth that Jesus is everlasting Father means you can return to Him. Like the Father in the parable, He remains faithful. He watches and waits. He has, he has compassion on you. has compassion on you. Did you hear that? He has compassion on you. And when His compassion meets your confession, there is cleansing and celebration as the relationship between you is made whole again. So return to Him. And then fourth and finally, it means you can rest in Him. In Matthew chapter 11, toward the end, Jesus extends this invitation. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the farmer, as you know, the farmer would often yoke a strong more experienced ox to a weaker, less experienced one so that over time, as the two walked side by side, the weaker would learn from and emulate the stronger. Here Jesus is addressing our tendency to try to earn favor with God. You see, sometimes we just realize, we instinctively know it's God's grace to us, really, that we begin to understand that things just aren't what they should be, that life just isn't as it's supposed to be, even that things with God just aren't right. But instead, our problem, instead of leaning upon Jesus, we feverishly try to fix the situation on our own, in our own strength, by our own deeds, and inevitably, we grow weary we become heavy laden, right? Because we realize we can't do it. 
And I think the picture of Christ's yoke, us being yoked to Him and Him yoking Himself to us, I think it pictures or illustrates His fatherly care. To be yoked to Christ is to lean upon and learn from Christ. He wants that. To learn from Him what life is about and how life is to be lived. He wants to teach you. He wants to walk with you. When yoked to Christ, we are side by side with Him. As He leads the way, He leads the way and sets the pace. When yoked to Christ, we receive His care, right? In that the the weight of our burdens is transferred to Him who is more than able to handle them all. Though our souls grow weary when on our own they find rest when yoked to Christ. Rest in Him. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government, the rule, the reign shall be upon his shoulder. He is all-knowing, wonderful counselor. He is almighty, mighty God. And He is everlasting Father. The Eternal One who has been there all along. Who comes alongside us personally. Who cares for us lovingly. The One you can trust as your Savior and Sovereign. The One you can enjoy in very close and personal relationship. The one to whom you can return, even today. The one in whom you can rest. This morning and forever. Amen. Father, thank You for meeting us this morning. In your word, thank you for revealing to us once again the just the beauty of Jesus Christ. Thank you for reminding us of who he is and what he does and the many, many implications these truths have upon our lives. Father, would you continue to impress your word upon our hearts throughout the rest of this service and on into the afternoon and even in the days to come, that we might trust Jesus and enjoy Jesus and return to Jesus and rest in Jesus. Make it so, we pray. Amen.